This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 172, Rick Green on Hypnotic Confidence. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. You know, there's probably more real crime stories in this week's podcast session than I think the previous 171 sessions all combined. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here, and it is about time I have Rick Green on the program. Uh, Rick and I go back a couple of years interacting first at the uh, HypnoThoughts convention and several other interactions from there, and just amazingly fascinating and skilled practitioner of hypnosis. And to, to use the phrase of soft skills, that we're often taking the skills of what we've done in previous careers and bringing it into the work that we do now, the experience of listening to Rick's story as an undercover police officer, and then transitioning that over, of course, naturally, to hypnosis. And you're going to hear some incredible insights to what it is that it means to have confidence in our process, what it means to exude that confidence appropriately inside of the session so the client knows that they're in a safe space, that they know they're on track towards that positive change. And it's the catchphrase that I'm kind of living by these days of taking techniques that are already effective and making them even more effective. The way that we can lean into that process, that appropriate way to get even greater results. You know, if you're with somebody in session, you're saying, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. Hope it works. How's that going to go? Yet, if you're really going into that session with that full mindset of we've got this, this is going to be easy and even better, it's going to be fun getting there. That's often how the process really plays out instead. And I'd share that's a mindset that personally I probably stuck on top of all that I do about eight, nine years ago. And it's how, as I was uh, younger at one point and without children and working marathon schedule days from like eight in the morning till eight at night, this is how I'd walk out of the office with just as much energy as I walked in. It turned every experience, every client issue into that good to great mindset. And you're going to hear some amazing insights and details about an upcoming course that Rick's going to be training at HypnoThoughts Live 2018. Details will be all over at worksmarthypnosis.com in the show notes. Plus, you can actually get the information to check out Rick's website and his uh, rather rapidly growing practice as well. While you're there, too, at the web, check out hypnoticessentials.com. This is the live hands-on six-day intensive course happening in the Washington, D.C. area in September 2018. It's myself and James Hazelrig teaming up to give you strategies to better customize to your client, frame the process in the most effective way, and give you the real-world technical skills to build your own hypnotic confidence. Check that out over at hypnoticessentials.com. Again, all the details over in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this week's outstanding conversation. This is session number 172, Rick Green on Hypnotic Confidence. Oh, that's a real interesting uh, question. And I've always attributed it to one thing, and actually it was your speech at HypnoThoughts, which kicked back a memory that told me maybe it was something else. So what happened was I was in judo. 
Um, I uh, actually was on the judo Olympic training team for the uh, 76 Olympics. And, uh, well, I ended up breaking my arm with a uh, compound fracture. Mm. Okay, so I was like, my bone was sticking out of my arm and all that good stuff. So the doctors told me that hey, you'll never get use of your arm again. We're going to have to lock it out straight. You might have an inch or two of movement. And my sensei, I, I was so fortunate. I literally had the Mr. Miyagi experience. <laughs> and my sensei was a very, very old school Japanese uh, uh, person by the name of uh, Ogasawara. And, um, you know, I owe so much to that man. Anyways, uh, he told me, he says, no, 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 no. He says, you know, well, we fix this. And he put me through some um, exercises, but a lot of it was just meditations and mental mind work and things like that. And he worked with me, and over two years, I got the full use of my arm back. Wow, yeah. And against the doctor said they just couldn't believe it because they had locked it out. They had physically pinned it in place. Mm -hmm. um, they had to remove the pins. But um, I've always said that was my beginning in understanding the powers of the mind and understanding how, you know, the powerful our mind is. But you said something at HypnoThoughts, which kicked back. I was in high school. I was in a hypnosis show at the time in my arm in a cast, and there's a picture in my yearbook with this, my arms in a cast, and I don't can't tell you who the hypnotist was. I wish I knew, but they did the you know raise your arm out, and of course I'm raising my uh, cast out, mm -hmm. and he runs over and he says no 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 no, um, you know I'm sure he's going to do the arm pull, and not that I know what he's doing, but uh, he says you're going to leave this arm just here, and that arm will be just fine. It's going to heal. I remember him saying that. Nice. And, uh, you know, I didn't recall that until you kicked it back at the uh, hypnotherapist. Anyway, so... Which is making me kick back to, um, I don't do as much stage hypnosis as I used to. That's kind of what got me into all of this, yet I still do a stretch of schools in Virginia Beach, Virginia. It's one of the schools is the one that I graduated from, and they like that local boy comes back, and I, I do the programs there. And here's one of the schools where... I strategically brought up this one girl who was the rock star in the audience, um, you know, loving the light and heavy arms, loving all the suggestibility test. I see she's got a leg brace on and I'm thinking, this is someone who's probably left out of a lot of stuff. Let me do a show mostly with everybody seated and this way she can be featured and actually have a good time. Um, so now that I've said that and you're connecting it back to my story, we'll be interviewing her on the podcast in five years. So. <laughs> that, would be, that would be very cool that'll That'd be her origin cool. story or just go off in some other route <laughs> yeah well, uh, look her up again and find out you know where she's at because uh that was amazing yeah um so from there i graduate on i'm going to college i'm going into uh aviation engineering but you know the war just ended all the pilots were taking all the civilian jobs and so i ended up as a police officer mm -hmm. you know probably because i like to drive fast and do things like that <laughs> um but uh it was, it was a very good fit for me and uh while i was going through college and while i was going through the uh police academy and uh in early part of my career i started doing uh hypnosis concentration tapes and things like that. And then I got involved with the uh, Silva method, mm -hmm. um, which was very uh, powerful and uh, very big at the time. 
Uh, and so I started working undercover. And when I started working undercover, I did nine years of undercover work, which I just loved. I mean, that, that was some of the greatest things. And part of my confidence course is from uh, what I'll be teaching the hypnothoughts comes from what I used to teach the uh, um, undercover officers when I became kind of the instructor there. Yeah, we can't uh, just hop over, we can't hop over that little bit of uh, nugget of wisdom there. So tell me more about doing the undercover work. Okay, well, the undercover work was great. In fact, uh, if if you ever watch like uh, the Lethal Weapon movies with Mel Gibson and stuff, and there there's a scene where he's starting out where he's um, the first one where he's shorting someone, uh, paying them they want a hundred thousand, he's giving a hundred bucks, and I'm I'm sitting there going, I did that, I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, hilarious, you know. And it was like it was just pure cop humor because in undercover you can be so creative and do almost anything you want, and I'm I'm literally laughing all the time, thinking like, oh my god, you believe that? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. And it was, um, it was just a great, great. Um, thing about state control mm-hmm. and when we're talking hypnotically how to learn state control how to be in charge of yourself how to you know be confident and uh um so one of the things i used to teach um new undercover officers i says you know you can't go undercover until you can walk into a hospital into an uh um an operating room and get me a uh, instrument and so i mean you have and I, Please understand, this was uh, back in the 80s, and, uh, you know, liabilities and stuff were a little different. Um, But, uh, you know, you had to be able to bluff your way in and out of situations. And, uh, you know, I I was put in some very, very uh, tight situations where I had guns put to my head and things like that. And you have to think fast, and it's all state control. Um, So that, that was great, great training for... Um, learning how to handle all that. But I, while I was doing that, I went to a DEA school, uh, Drug Enforcement Administration, and they had an instructor there who was a police chief from uh, the Chicago area. He was also a hypnotist and an NLP person. So he did a whole day with us, and I got really fascinated. I started learning NLP and bought the books and uh, Nightingale, Conant, uh, <laughs> uh, the cassette, which I still have. Um, and uh, so I went from there, and I was learning this, and that really brought me through into my next part of my career as a uh, detective. And then I worked my way to the you know homicide, or we just called it major crimes, rape, robberies, and murders. And it was really useful sitting down with a suspect and finding out the truth. I mean, I, I, I wasn't about, you know, attempting to get them to confess to something they didn't do. But, you know, getting the truth out of some of these people is really, really hard. And from that, I guess I really learned how to tell when people are lying with their physical uh, um, you know, their body languages, their thought processes. And that is a very, very useful thing I found in hypnosis because I sit down with people and often they're lying to themselves. The person who says, I'm going to quit smoking, but I'm going to do it Monday. I'm going to go on a diet, but I'm going to do it Monday. 
they're just lying to themselves to get through the weekend to feel good about themselves. And I love that you phrase it that way, because so often I hear it more from a cynical place of they're lying to us. And it's perhaps not a conscious mind decision to be processing the world around them in this way, yet they've fallen into that pattern. And it's finding that place to kind of respectfully call out that that, that self-lie, that self-stuck pattern. Exactly. And that's what it is. They're, they're lying to themselves and they're just expressing it to us. And because um, I don't, I mean, I mean, even the bad guys, the rape robberies and murderers, um, they're lying to themselves and expressing it to me when I sat down with them. And very often um, I became very good at, you know, asking them what we would call a key question, you know, something that uh, would be a very emotional, something only the uh, suspect would know, where, where's the murder weapon, where's all this. Um, and you could see them doing that transderivinal search where it's like, okay, how do I get out of this? What do they know? Things like this. And they're processing what lie to say. And I just say, no, I don't want that answer. I want what's really going on. And boy, they'd look at me like I was a mind reader. <laughs> and because they hadn't given an answer yet. And I do that often with my uh, uh, clients who are, I don't want to say oppositional. They're just still in transition of what they want and where they want to go. So they're, they're, they're still fighting themselves, um, in my opinion. That's why they're often so, still kind of stuck in the pattern of what may have seemed easier, may have seemed unconsciously comfortable. Exactly. So I'm just thinking exactly. the transition. Well, I'm thinking the career transition of moving from uh, interviewing people of this nature to then suddenly now, yeah, here comes the stop smoking client. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I just had a good friend of mine um, come to me and he says, you know, I, I want to work with you on stop smoking. But you know what? The doctors want me to. And it's really one of the few things I enjoy at this stage in my life. And I'm like, well, you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when, when you're ready and, you know, we had a long conversation, but he admitted, you know, he says, no, nah, it's not going to work for me because I really don't want it to. I'm just going with what they're telling me. And yeah. so, you know, but, he, you know, it was just getting the honesty out of people. And sometimes, I mean, I, you see that look in the eye and um, where they click and they know what the truth is. And this goes all the way back to murder suspects to, um, you know, two people sitting in your chair. And it's just like, there's a sense of relief. I actually got Christmas cards from people that I put away from life. Wow. You know, and uh, because I was honest with them, I talked to them, I respected them. I never once, what you see in TV is just so disheartening because it's like, we couldn't do that. We can, you know, no way in the world is someone going to talk to you when, you know, you're beating them up in the interview room as you see on TV. Yeah. I mean, is it rapport 101 is no, don't do that. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of, which how, to be fair that if they put on television hypnosis, the way that most of us often end up doing it, <laughs> that's a reason well, that, why they, there's a reason why they sens- sensationalize it. Well, and police shows, I, I've never seen one where they do paperwork. Yeah. And that's 90% of the job. Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, does a good job of representing paperwork. Okay. Yeah. I stopped. But stopped then again, comedy talk. show, so they're making fun of it, so. <laughs> True. So, yeah. So, life-like is funny. Um, 
anyway, so I started buying the early books and they were kind of cheesy and I started working uh, with a few people. And at that time I was teaching uh, martial arts. I was in uh, um, both judo and wishiru, which is Okinawa karate. And I was out teaching the martial arts and I was also teaching at the police academy for defensive tactics, what we called it at the time, and street survival, which was kind of street smart. I actually started, and this was just something I came up with on my own, is after class, a defensive tactics class, I'd have them lay all out on the mat, and I'd take them through what we called at that time was a guided meditation, and I'd put them down, and we would walk through an armed robbery situation, confronting an armed gunman, because rehearsal in your mind is so powerful, because no one, no, no one should come through there having really done that. It's just an abnormal situation. And I've got a few letters from people saying, I encountered it on the career. I believe you saved my life. And, um, you know, so that dress rehearsal, we called it. So I really, really was into, you know, the power of the mind and how it works. And, you know, I was using, um, you know, psychocybernetics, uh, Malcolm Morris and um, NLP and all that. <clears throat> then I started getting towards the end of my career. At that time, I had, um, I was in charge of, uh, uh, I was a captain at that time. And I just retired here in January fully. So I was in charge of what we called our critical incident team, which we developed. And it was a, a group of volunteers that we sent out into the community when like there was a tragic accident where people died, a lot of people died or something. We, we had a terrible uh, bike accident where someone plowed into a group and killed five people uh, severely maimed at nine. Um, and from that, we developed this where we send people out who are trained. Uh, we had a psychologist help lead it. And so I was overall in charge of that and also what we call the critical incident stress management team for our own officers, for officers around the community and for firefighters, any first responders after they dealt with a traumatic scene. Now, I never got that when I was, uh, um, I should say growing up because I started police work at 21 and, uh, I have to laugh today thinking like a 21 year old kid, they gave me a gun and told me to go into people's homes and solve their problems. It's almost funny. Um, because I just, you know, can't imagine that, uh, um, I would turn a 21 year old loose, but we did that back then. <laughs> So I was coming to the end of my career and I started wanting to work with officers and veterans um, with PTSD. And I was researching and hypnosis was one of the uh, most successful modalities for doing this as I was uh, researching. And so I thought, I'm going to go into this. And that's going to be my, you know, second career, my twilight career. It's going to be doing something, you know, kind of a out of my heart and out of my, what I love and keeping me in touch with my community. And, um, so as I did that, I was looking, okay, where am I going to go for uh, hypnosis training? I researched and there was a school out West. It was like three months and, you know, residency. And I thought, well, if I can take some vacation and do this in part, uh, I can maybe do this. Uh, and I started listening to podcasts and started researching everything going on. 
and I got, I listened to Mike Mendel's podcast. Yep. And uh, so, it, and it just clicked with me. Mike's style and manner and expertise. I thought, well, it's a lot cheaper to go to Canada for one week. I, I, I can do an intro. And I was looking as an intro. I thought, well, I'll do a week here and see if this is something I like, I enjoy, and, you know, something that I would excel at. And uh, Mike is phenomenal. And as far as I'm concerned, he's hands down the best instructor I've had about knowing the nuts and bolts of all things uh, hypnosis. Um, you know, I think he's borderline genius and I've had some great instructors and, you know, I always give credit to the great instructors. Um, but Mike was phenomenal. I, uh, went there and from there, um, one of the members of his tribe, Dee Dee Regatos, she says, Hey, you have to come to HypnoThoughts. So I come to HypnoThoughts. From HypnoThoughts, I rechanged all my plans, um, because HypnoThoughts kind of allowed me to discover that. Maybe I don't have to do an institutionalized three months. There's people here that, you know, have done it other ways who are doing phenomenal, getting great results. They're great hypnotists. And so I started just immersing myself into the, uh, um, the whole community. And, and when I say that, I, I mean, I was, uh, um, and I, I think you coined it as the hypno junkie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like, I, Here's the deal. I was very, very fortunate at work because I had one, I was in charge of a hundred uh, officer volunteer group called our, our reserve division. My former boss, the sheriff had uh, compensated me for that. You know, it was like either adjust my time or, you know, I got overtime for the event. Well, we get a new sheriff, nice guy, but you know, they, he wants to balance the budget. He says, I can't pay you for that. So just take it off the, uh, um, you know, just, uh, um, you know, take it in time off. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> that worked out to about 12 weeks of time off towards nice, the end of my career. Nice, nice, <laughs> And I had the ability to immerse myself. And when I did that, I mean, I went, I, I, from uh, HypnoThoughts, I went to Melissa Tears, took her basic training, her integrated NLP, um, you know, Steve Rehm, his conversational, and uh, cigarette smoking, David Snyder. I went to many of his courses, uh, Don, Drew Ferguson, Roy Hunter, Kevin Lay. Um, you know, I took your courses at HypnoThoughts. I went to all the conferences and just immersed myself because... If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. What I want to and highlight inside of that too was that here was this moment that you knew the transition was about to happen, and here was this opportunity to incubate even while you were still transitioning out of something. That people would often, you know, in terms of that moving from one thing to another, think, well, as soon as this wraps up, then I can start something else. But it's how I'm assuming that you were able to seamlessly move from one career to another. Exactly. Um, because I knew that I can do this kind of in my off time and I can do it on my own time. And, um, and very honestly, I worked it in with my, uh, traditional job. And I was fortunate that I was the captain boss. So, um, you know, I can look at what our critical incident team is doing, what our critical incident stress management team is doing. I, um, I became in charge again over the defensive tactics or what um, we call subject control these days, 
for the officers, and I took over that team and started integrating stress management, stress resilience techniques into the annual training. So I got to get more hands on and started going the direction that interested me at work. And it kind of, you know, gave me a shot in the arm for, you know, going out and having fun doing it. So curious um, so, to ask, I know you didn't, you had done the Silva training, you had come from other, you know, platforms, other strategies, other uh, modes of change. In that environment, were you calling it hypnosis or presenting it as something else? Or kind of recognizing that here I've been learning a lot of the same ideas, just under different titles, different headers? Well, it depends on who the audience was. Yeah, there you go. Um, I can tell you that working with police officers... Um, they are very traditional, very resistant to mind control. I am too smart to be hypnotized. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure we've all heard that. Yes. Uh, but, uh, uh, I had an occasion just before I retired, you know, this was, this was such an uplifting occasion. I was asked to go speak to, um, a group of, uh, army soldiers, um, and basically these were uh, reservists and they were wanted to have information on, uh, what the differences between carrying concealed pistons and the pistols in the civilian life, as opposed to the military life and what was expected of them, which, you know, was really great that they got that because the military response and the civilian response to different things. And I was in charge of the, uh, uh, concealed pistol licensing board. Um, so at that time I went and gave a speech to them. It should have been a one hour, uh, thing. It turned out to be three hours and because they were just such phenomenal young people. I mean, you know, anybody who worries about the future of our nation and, you know, the kids today and stuff, believe me, there are some great kids out there. And I, I say kids, but they were all between, you know, like, uh, 18 to 25 and, uh, <clears throat> through that. And I was uh, talking about developing the awareness, you know, uh, when you have a weapon, you know, have the awareness in front of you, behind you, and all this. Part, part of the things that we've worked into uh, our uh, street survival tactics. And they're, well, how, how do we practice that? You know, how, how do we develop that? I says, well, <laughs> close your eyes. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I, and that was about as simple as it was. I says, look, I do this uh, other thing. You know, it's not connected with police work. But if you want to develop this, I'll run you through a short exercise um, about how, you know, how to develop some awareness, you know, and it was very simply, you know, notice your left foot. Now notice the person next to your breathing, you know, notice what's behind you. And I just started taking them through hypnotically and I just wanted to test it and notice now your head is itching. And, um, you know, once I had like, uh, you know, most of them itching their head, I was like, okay, I got him. And, you know, so I, I started really going with it. Now there was, this is about 300 people and it was probably, it was the largest group demonstration I'd ever done, which was impromptu. And so what I did was, uh, uh, where, um, the, uh, Sergeant who had brought me there, he didn't go, you know, he was standing there by me on the stage and stuff. And he was just like, his eyes were like wide open. Like, I can't believe this is going on, but you know, he was very, um, appreciative of it. It was so cool. At the end of the uh, presentation, he took this uh, painting off the wall of a Mustang, which was their mascot. And he says, we're making you an honorary uh, Mustang. And, you know, I got, I got a, a standing ovation. It, it was great. Just for now, most uplifting thing, you know, uh, towards the end of my career, I, I can imagine. So 
um, great people. Great yeah. People. So then moving from there to, to the startup phases, are there specific things that you found uh, a passion of working with in terms of clients coming uh, into an office space? Well, and, and, you know, I think we all start with, and so I'll address it, you know, because I still see uh, new people getting online and it's like, how do I find someone to practice with? How do I, you know, where do I go? And we all know that, you know, working with friends and family, you know, gets real old and they get tired of it and uh, usually are not the best people to work with. Um, Though for what it's worth, I, I just had a class wrap up that that was kind of the attitude of the husband. And then as they were working together, he's now texting her during class at work going, honey, honey, it worked. I'm getting things done. I'm <laughs> so then coming well, full circles. <laughs> if, if they're coming in together, yes, that, yes. that'll work. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but uh, um, so what I did, and I, I would recommend anybody do this because to me it was where I wanted to go. Um, I had a champion in the community, a friend of mine who uh, was in charge of the local veteran affairs. And he hooked me up with some veterans with problems. And I wasn't charging money, I was just practicing. And very honestly, these can be some crusty old uh, people, you know, they're, they're, uh, they'll test you. Um, but I had, you know, having been a cop for a while, I, you know, I'd, I'd push back a little. Um, it's not for the faint of heart if you're uh, in this for unicorns and uh, those types of things. But, you know, I would uh, sit with them and build rapport. And sometimes that was just going to the BFW and telling stories and, you know, one side, the other. And, uh, so then I started, people were like, well, can you do this? Can you do that? And I said, well, you know, here, let, let me just uh, make you feel good for a little bit, you know, and just start with those, you know, simple things. And pretty soon people would come to me and or I get a call from my friend and he'd say, well, you know, can you work with this guy? Can you work with that guy? And of course, if they were true, true, full blown out PTSD at that time, I would not. I'd refer them out or I would talk to their doctor or things like that because I didn't feel myself ready at that time because I, I know what that can cause the, the results. Um, so, you know, at this point, I'd feel very comfortable talking to them and uh, working with them. But, you know, when you're starting out, that is one of the greatest resources and some of the, you know, makes some of the greatest friends and hear some of the greatest stories of people who have been there, done that, and they're going to be probably the most challenging of, you know, trying to get that rapport with because, you know, you just walk up and say, hi, I'm Rick and I can help. And they're like, uh-huh. Um, but you just blend in and find the common ground, build the rapport. And I still work with a lot of them. And those are all just, you know, they're pro bono, just, you know, Hey, I'm here, you know, yeah, I can do this, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. one crusty old guy. He still won't, you know, it's just like, I don't believe in that stuff. And, <laughs> uh, but he's funny because, you know, when he hears somebody's got prime, he says, ah, you need to talk to that guy over there, you know? Um, so, <laughs> you know, he does have a belief, but he's not going to do it. But in all, in all honesty, you know, he's uh, in his 80s, a businessman, and, uh, you know, I don't know if he's got any problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, good guy. Um, but so that's where I went. 
and my goal was, my goal was, I was going to start a institution uh, or a nonprofit hypnosis for heroes to work with veterans and officers and uh, to connect them with a hypnotist and to get them the help they needed because that's what I saw. The reality <laughs> is totally different. Cops do not want help. For a police officer to say, I can't handle this is identity failure because we're the ones that are supposed to run in and handle all situations. And for them to say, I need help is an identity failure and very, very few would come to me. In fact, um, I can count on one hand, those that came to me with a real serious, um, you know, uh, depression, PTSD issue, they would come to me for, you know, I, I heard you can do something for concentration for a promotion, you know, or stress relief for a promotion. Yeah, but something more, something more personally attached to the work that they do. Exactly. And, you know, so I, I would work with them on that. And again, those were all pro bono. I mean, you know, the, these were people, you know, in my community that I've known and things that have just been, um, you know, uh, I can work with, and sometimes it's just grief resolution for uh, the loss of a loved one and things like that. That they'll come to me, but for, you know, there's a thing at work I seen and I can't handle, they, they don't want to deal with it. So there's, there's a, yeah, there's a nuance, and this may be a one-off story of here's a police officer who came to me that you know, no issue out, you know, doing the work, no issue out in the field and interactions with other officers, but simply having to stand in court and, you know, give the testify of, in terms of this is what I saw, this is what I witnessed, this is what we found and all of that, that that was suddenly posing a challenge for him. And it was interesting because I, I worked with him and got him through that. And the ending feedback was, uh, I'll generalize it here for obvious purposes, that clearly uh, there, is a, there is a health goal of his that wasn't his goal. And he goes, you never once brought up this other issue. I go, yeah, neither did you. <laughs> he goes, well, kind of hard to know that. Really you know, and it was very clearly that this habit was a big part of his life because you could smell it on him. Am I hinting enough things here? And you know, for him to actually say it's like you never once told me that I need to come in for that. It's like that, that's not your goal yet. When it is, you know, you know how to find me, and you've seen the pile of cigarettes in the corner. So looking at it from you know seeing them as they are and not making. The, I think with any session, not bringing in that judgment filter of just interacting with the person in terms of where they're coming in at the process. Exactly. Um, I had, I just did a session um, a couple of weeks ago with a uh, psychologist and uh, fear of flying. As I took her through the session and it was interesting because as I brought her out, you know, I say brought her out, but, you know, I don't know we merged. Um, as uh, she emerged, she, you know, she was cheerful during the uh, session and everything. But she was like, oh, I was just like, I knew it had more to do. I got more issues going with my son who's suicidal. And I was, you know, dealing with that. You know, I was changing everything in the, because I was feeling so good, so right about that. And I, I was just like we're not done here. Close your eyes. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, 
it was, and, and I took her right back in and, uh, I, I did, um, because uh, I didn't have much time, but I did um, uh, David Snyder's uh, spinning and uh, his version of it and some other things. And I mean, <laughs> she she came out. And she says that that was like an exorcism. She says, you know, I you know I was uh, I just didn't expect that. She says, how did you how did you know how did you know I needed that? And I said, well, you kind of told me, but you you weren't aware of it, and. Uh, um, you know, so she's been doing great. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, you, you deal with them where, where they're at. But every now and then, if, if I can hit something that, and I'm sure you do, if you can hit something that they say, I need this, they're screaming, I need this, you know, I can do it right there. Let's do it right there, because that's really what you came in for. You were lying to me about the other thing. <laughs> and she wasn't lying about your mind. She was just you know, she wasn't ready to come to terms with the other part. Well, it's again where they come in and what what's often the presenting issue is kind of a symptom of something else that's going on. And there's ways we can work directly with that issue, but also ways that we can work through that issue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So chat with me a bit in terms Ooh. of just this mindset and I, I put it into this context first. I had a police, I had a firefighter uh, as a student one time uh, that just from day one, he just was the rock star of the class. And as he put it, he goes, I'm in a scenario that as soon as I walk in, whatever I say is going to stick. So I might as well say it with as much confidence as possible. <laughs> and now is working quite a bit as a full-time hypnotist. Uh, what would you say were some of those elements that came out of the career you were in to now bring into the hypnotic profession that really built that confidence up and really helped it build that as the foundation for a lot of the work that you do. Well, and you're absolutely right that you should take what you have, you know, all of your experiences you've amassed and map over all the successes that you've had, everything that you have and bring that into, you know, your new career or anything you're doing in life. I always like to find out about my uh, people's hobbies and things like that, because that's the language they speak. Their baseball metaphors and sports metaphors, that, that's the language they're going to relate to. And, you know, as a cop, we're kind of sequestered from society. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's just really we are. Um, people, uh, you know, you go to a party and people say, oh, there's a cop, you know, just shut up. And, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of like, you know, ostracized. So, you know, you cops hang out with cops and they become more sequestered. It, it, it's a bad uh, situation, but that's the way it works. It's just like no one wants to go to the principal's office. Um, so, but I was able to bring all those experiences of dealing undercover, all those experiences of dealing um, with people one-on-one. -on -one. Hypnosis is nothing more than sitting down with someone, listening to them, They'll give you the answers, you know, the, the, they, if they speak long enough, they will give you the answers and then in trance, just convincing them that, you know, those are the answers they need uh, on, on simple terms. It's kind of that simple uh, because we really need to listen to them. Uh, I don't remember which instructor told me this, but I, it was, uh, um, there may have been in a book, uh, but the words we use are nothing more than symbols of what's going on in the mind. 
And so those exact words have to be used. I've heard it through many instructors, but very few people put it in the terms of symbols. It's a symbolic representation. So I use a lot of metaphors and symbolic representations in uh, um, talking to people conversationally and in session because that's what they relate to. And I, I love to keep them in a related uh, state because that's, as we know, pretty much bypassing the critical factor. Uh, if you're telling the story of the Wizard of Oz, but you're doing the therapy right inside the session, and I, that's, I very often do that. I take my entire practice, it's called Changes Ahead Hypnosis, okay? And it's, you know, the whole idea of changing things ahead. You know, we're going on a journey. When you come into my office, it's an immersive journey. I haven't gone the Skype route yet because I don't know how I can bring what I do here onto a computer. Mm-hmm. I know people are getting that results. Um, but when you come into my office, I have five rooms. One of them looks exactly like a, um, a, a doctor's office. I have, I have an antique exam table in there. I have, you know, <laughs> I, I have the weight scales. I have the diplomas on the walls. I, this looks exactly like a doctor's office. This is where I do the energy work, like tapping and things like this. There's a little acupuncture chart on the wall. And I'm looking for that authority to prime the people. And I'm also looking for, you know, to get them into a whole different, you know, pattern interrupt. Their whole. When they walk in the door, uh, and you probably went to Ken Guzzo's office? Yes. Yes. And so I have five offices, and you start in talking to me, and then a room where um, you have uh, um, watch the television, and I'm, I'm rechanging the whole uh, process in there. Uh, then I have the what I call the exam room or the energy room where we do the tapping and anything else along that nature. And for weight loss clients and things like that, you go in there and the scales and everything else in there is just like gives that authority. I have the traditional room where the nice, you know, lounger and a uh, nice oak chair. And but I, everything on the wall, I have one wall that has all my uh, badges from when I worked um, some Oh, God, let's see what have I got here. You know, do, just some plaques and credentials of the key to the city that I got when I retired. Um, and uh, because I'm trying to build the idea of safety, you know, for a lot of people, especially female clients, they, they want to feel comfortable and safe. You know, they have to feel the safety. So I like to project that. I like to let them know, you know, you're in a safe environment. Things are going to go. And th- but things are different here. You know, I have a stop sign I hold up. Um, you know, if they're talking too much, <laughs> I do. Um, when I get them, and to- for those of you that haven't spent any time around uh, around Rick, I'd say that knowing Rick, holding up the stop sign, I'm sure they smile when you do that. Well, y- exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> um, in fact, you know, just, just let me uh, tell you a little bit about as they come out of the process. I my last name's Green, right? So Rick Green. So I use a very color-coded um, type of process and build into like the session, you know, for stop smoking. Red 
you know, means stop. You're going to see the stop signs. When you see the stop signs, this will enhance all the suggestions today. And you know the whole pattern that goes around that. Right. Green means go. When you see green, it means go for the things you want. Go for the life you wanted. Go for all those things you told me in the beginning, you know, the breathing easier. Uh, yellow is the color of the sun, blah, blah, blah. It's also the color of traffic uh, lights, but I don't tell them that. Um, <clears throat> just at the end of the session, I'll tell them, you know, I want to reward you for all the great work you've done here. Everybody needs to feel the state of relaxation. So just stay here and just for a few moments, enjoy the relaxation. Just, I want you to meld into any sound, you, more sound you hear. We'll just take you deeper in the relaxation because it's a wonderful feeling. Enjoy the wonderful feeling because you deserve it. You earned it. Um, I get up and I plaster, I don't want to say the entire walls, but I got about five big no smoking signs. Yeah. When they come out of the room, they're going to hit these red no smoking signs. When they come out of the room, they're going to step onto a rug that is a stop sign. And then I have them step onto the rug where they're still in a state of hypnosis. And I talk to them about the, you know, just amplifying that red that you are going to stop. You have stopped. They're going to look right at the sign that says no U-turns. Um, you know, the, the, there are no U-turns. You can't go back. You know, you, you know, once you take the next step, you can't go back. Then they step onto a yellow rug. Then they step onto a green rug. Um, you know, and I take them through it again, you know, about, feel that column of energy, you know, permeating your body and all this. When, when they walk out of here, well, they're still kind of in a dazed state when they walk out my door. I walk them all the way to the car all the time because my last suggestion to them is you're going to drive safe. And, you know, you're fully alert, fully awake and all this. You had a wonderful experience because I guess as a old traffic cop, I'm all about safety and liability. You know, in my past job, I was sued several times. You know, never they never won, but um, <laughs> the uh, I, I'm very liability conscious. Yes. So I, I I take them through this whole hypnotic journey. Well, what's beautiful about that is again framing the entire space the way that you know I I leave my classroom set up all the time. And they're coming in. There's often video equipment set up as everything works smart hypnosis that I do. And everything is just building the environment that this is the place where people come to learn. This is the place that people come to change. And, and it's these elements that are hypnotic in nature that are strengthening all the work that we do that one of the filters I keep coming back to are what are the methods we can put on already effective methods? How do we stack the success in such a way that we're taking strategies that we all know work and just make them work even better? Exactly. And I, I remember you saying that in the class and, you know, it's like anything I can do in my session to, you know, just leverage a little bit more. I want them to walk out with phenomenal results. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, one one thing I did is we're talking about that is I've got one wall with a lot of diplomas up on it. Now, I've read the online forums and people like, oh, you know, people don't care about your diplomas and all that. No, they don't. But studies show that um, it does give a sense of legitimacy. People feel more confident when they see a lot of diplomas. They feel like they're dealing with a professional. So I took, you know, my best-looking diplomas, and I put them on one wall. And I, I guess one thing I would tell anybody who's, like, teaching and giving out diplomas, there were some diplomas of 
classes I thought were phenomenal, but the diploma just doesn't look good. So, you know, the ones I used were the ones that are going to impress the clients, not me. Um, and they weren't where I learned the most, but they look good hanging on the wall. Um, you know, and it's not, we used to call them in the, um, police work, we called it the I love me wall. (laughs) (laughs) Or I remember one detective. Wall candy, uh, as I say. (laughs) What's that? Wall candy, as I say. (laughs) Oh, okay. I I remember one detective. He had a, uh, plaque, you know, I took a one day auto theft school in 1966. That was still on his wall. I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how the journey through the office is. And I like to get exceptional results. I I like to make sure my clients get exceptional results. And I I like to charge well for the exceptional results, but I'll work with people who, you know, don't have the funds or whatever, if they truly, truly want to work. And sometimes that's barter. And, um, you know, I've had people do yard work for me. Um, It's just like, okay, you know, it's like, (laughs) <laughs> this isn't free. What can you do? And that's when you find out if they're really serious. Right. Yes. The same yeah. as I've, I've pointed people to different charities in terms of here's a group you can go volunteer at for a couple of hours. They'll give you a piece of paper, then come in, then we'll get to work. Wonderful. Which sadly, Wonderful. so many have not followed through with that, but still putting the option out there. And a few have. So, you know, it's the phrasing that um, sometimes there are those moments of working with those who can pay for those who can't. Uh, and this also, I mean, places where there's relationships with different doctors that they refer some wonderful clients and then occasionally call and say, I'm sending you this one. They're not paying me either. And it's strengthening the relationship for everybody and benefiting this person who's definitely a need for that. Uh, tell us tell us about the class you've got coming up in August. Okay. Well, through all my experiences uh, in police work and hypnosis and uh, uh, just my life experiences, I'm teaching a, a one-day class of uh, pre-conference at HypnoThoughts, and uh, let me just give a plug. One for HypnoThoughts is one of the uh, best conferences. Uh, every hypnotist should go to that. Uh, and also, the biggest values there are the pre- and the post-conferences because you have the top names in the uh, professions coming and giving classes for you know pennies on the dollar for what you have to pay to go to. And so I think everybody should do the pre and post conferences. Uh, every conference I go to, I take advantage of that. Um, class I'm doing is on how to develop confidence. What I noticed was there are a lot of hypnotists, hypnothoughts and other uh, conferences online, and they just don't have the confidence to. It's like, well, you know, I, I this didn't work, and I, you know, I, I feel bad about. It. And how do I get up in public speaking? I'm, I'm, well, confidence is where we begin. And if you don't have the confidence, every client, if you came in to a hypnotist office and the hypnotist says, well, I'm going to try this and so let's, let's see if it works. Um, you're not going to have a lot of confidence in it. Um, so I'm taking some of the experience and through my martial arts experience and what I was taught from uh, uh, my sensei Yagasawara, uh, and bringing all that experience into how you can build a state of confidence, but it's more than a state of confidence. It's uh, uh, Sensei Ogasawara. I call it Nushin Notion, which means the mind of no mind. Um, it's a very Zen Japanese concept, and it means that you're in just a state of total awareness. 
your your awareness you know you're you're not focusing on anything it's that zen state where you're just doing and that's where we want to get in confidence because it's not as much an attitude i mean anyone can fake you know you hear it fake it until you make it and that's some pretty good advice on certain things but when you are that be that person and you can be that person by being in a zone um and i'm gonna kill the name but it was like a russian uh, Mitchell Kaley, something like that. He wrote Flow. If you look up the book Flow, and it's been that state of flow, that that mind of no mind. And uh, my uh, Wishiru Karate instructor, um, in our dojo, we had. <laughs> you're doing your katas, and you're looking right into this tiger. And uh, so I had discussions with him, and he was like a tenth down, and uh, just great guy, great guy. Um, and he talked again about, you know, the mind of the tiger is much more important. The eyes are what it sees through and people, you know, the, <clears throat> I think the eye of the tiger had come out then and Rocky and he's not the mind of the tiger. You know, the tiger's in total awareness, total awareness. You know, the eyes are just where it's going. And if you can bring that state that, you know, the state of being confident where, you know, in our terms, we just say, simply say, I've got this, mm-hmm. I've got this. And uh, one, one of my best examples of that was uh, I was in charge of the jail, uh, captain of the jail one time, and uh, someone was found hanging. Uh, they were still struggling, and all the officers were uh, running to hold him up. And uh, then one was running to get what we call the cut-down knife because we have a special knife that you don't want to carry around in a uh, correction facility, uh, but to cut them down from uh, uh, when they're hanging. And uh, one officer, and he's about six foot five, looked like Superman, and he just walks in and goes, I got this. <laughs> and he just took the sheet and shredded it apart, you know, and brought the guy down. Um, you know, it's just that state of, I got this, I can do this. I, you know, um, I can handle this. What we don't do, we do not do is we do not give ourselves permission to be confident when we start out. We do not give ourselves permission to say, it's okay to screw up a little bit. It's okay to, uh, be, uh, you know, not get it right the first time. And that's where a lot of us are just like, well, I gotta be perfect. You know, my, uh, my mentors were perfect. So I want to be at that state. Now I'm sure you've seen the matrix of, you know, unconsciously competent, you know, consciously competent going through that. Well, we all start at that, you know, unconsciously unconscious that we don't, we don't know what we don't know. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, now I know what I don't know, but I want to do it. Well, that's where we begin. And sometimes we need to be confident that right there at that point, we're doing it the right way. You know, and if we don't, we correct and move on, but we're confident at that point. And once you get that, everything else is just going up. So in, in my class, I'm going to, there's actually going to be five um, in-class sessions we're going to go through. I'm going to teach a method of self-hypnosis that I use um and uh, i find it very powerful because i have yet to meet the person who has self-hypnotized themselves to forget their name you know just <laughs> you, you know we, we, 
you know, we, we can self-hypnotize and we, that does great work. But I have yet to meet the person who says, oh, I can't remember my name because we get in the way of ourselves in self-hypnosis. You know, you can't, you can't be the hypnotist and the subject at the same time. So I'll be dealing with how to, you know, bypass that. Um, and I, they get like a 60-day workbook on some of these things. Now, it's immersive for the person. We're going to have activities. We're going to have, you know, demonstrations. We're going to have sessions. We're going to have a lot of different things. But the most uh, important thing is they can take this to their clients because how many clients have you had that can't use the confidence? Yeah, I mean, there's one little the, the, on a, there's one little pattern that I've often been using with clients at days, and the the theme of simply decide that you know you you can put a hypnotic suggestion on top of everything that we've done that you can decide that this is a turning point that you can decide that exactly. this is going to be that catalyst rather than being another thing like everything else you've done so far that you can take this and you've already felt this experience and here's where you can go which is really just taking that moment and letting them take on that confidence that really is there and letting it rise to the surface oh exactly exactly and and we we have all the techniques of mapping over past uh, experiences uh, future pacing um you know non-existent uh, uh things we've done and all that, but um, we, we can do it in a lot of different ways. One of uh, the ways I, I, I use time distortion, I also do a, a looping technique where, um, you know, if, <clears throat> if you remember the cassettes and the autoplay back, you know, they just run forever, you know, if you loop it and, uh, you know, give them some direct suggestions that. You know, now shrink that down into a loop and, you know, tuck that away in the back of your head and allow that to play forever, you know, until you don't need it anymore. You'll know when, you know, I've got this. When you've got this, that's done for you. Um, and, you know, or you may let that play forever. It's up to you. Um, so you use a lot of different ways to get around people's modalities and their, their individualism. And uh, what I love is everybody that comes in is an individual challenge. Um, the class will give instructions on how to handle different types of individuals and also give the uh, participants a uh, lot of different ways to handle some of their own uh, challenges. Uh, but most importantly, it's going to be a fun class. I mean, you know, I, I don't like to do anything unless it's fun. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're going to have fun at this. Well, it's been fun having you on here, and I'll link over to the, the class coming up in the show notes over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com, though. Where can people check out your local business? Okay, I am in the process of uh, redoing a, uh, um, the website. I just got into my office, actually just uh, um, finished furnishing it uh, the way I want, and, uh, but it's ChangesAheadHypnosis.com. I've got the website, and uh, the, uh, it should be up before HypnoThoughts. Awesome. Well, Rick, it's been great having you on here. I'll see you soon. Okay, great. Thanks, Jason. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for leaving your reviews online and sharing it on your various social media streams and putting me in your top eight on MySpace. And uh, while you're there on the interwebs, check out hypnoticessentials.com. This is the live hands-on interactive six-day course that James Hazelrig and I are teaming up together for in the Washington, D.C. area in September 2018. Six days of hands-on training 
training to really build your confidence in terms of a more organic application of hypnosis, how to create inductions on the fly that best suit your client, how to craft powerful metaphors and stories to further compound and lock in change, plus the importance of pre-framing and customization to your client. For those seeking certification, you can become certified as a certified professional hypnotist with the ICBCH, the International Certification Board of Clinical Hypnotherapists, and check out all the details for this upcoming course, plus some really generous early admission discounts. Details over at hypnoticessentials.com. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 